Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Welcome to this week's episode of Families Matter Workshop. We are concluding our series on communication by discussing gaslighting, which is a hot topic, I think, these days. Right. It is, you know, I don't know if everybody knows that it was actually based on a movie that was uh, filmed years ago before I was even born. And I'm the 1940s, 1940s. And what it was, it was a man who wanted to drive his wife crazy. The lights would flicker. And that was back then when lights were not electric, but they were gaslighting. And so the lights would flicker and go off and she'd go, did you see that? And he would be like, no, I didn't see anything. So it started to doubt her sense of reality. Yeah. And that's what it's based on where it's a form of mental abuse where information's twisted or admitted in favor of the abuser, where false information is presented with the intent of making the victim doubt their own memory, perception, or sanity. Yeah. And last year in 2022, it was Merriam Webster's word of the year is gaslight. Right. Gaslighting. You know, it's just a form of manipulation. Right. And, and it's really just the don't talk rule. Like, don't talk about it. This, you're, you're wrong. Your perception's wrong. You know, I want to win or I want to be hidden or I want to not be called on my behavior. So I'm going to twist it on you so I don't get called on my behavior and get you not only just to, to doubt that whether it really happened or the, the cause of it, of why it happened. Or the, or the reason why you should even talk about it is that you're crazy. And I think also gaslighting really came to terms when this whole era of fake news came about with politics. It's like, right. we there, have fake news, we have deep fakes. I feel like we live through the age of misinformation. Knowing what's true. And as a Christian, you know, how do you know what's true? And, and more and more, I, I find that the Bible and Jesus and his teachings and, and being able to hear God's voice as is something that I just have to hold on to for my sanity, because I don't know what's true. And I think that people can be so persuaded on any side that they're right, that what they see is real and that what they hear is accurate. And just so you know, just to be, I'm pretty conservative. Allie's pretty liberal. Yeah. So that you do have both of us here and that we do have discussions, political discussions, where both of us will say what our side says is reality. And like, I never even heard your reality. Yeah, because we don't listen to the same source of news. Right. And so we don't get the same feeds. And so we isn't that kind of scary, though, that neither one of us probably hear the truth. Right, right. And, and I don't think that the truth even matters anymore. I don't think that the truth is valued. It makes me sad just even saying that because there's a whole generation of young people that truth doesn't matter. And it's all about pushing your personal agenda. Yeah. Or getting the most likes or the most views. And so it's more like what other people think about you or how much something was seen is more important than actually the message that was seen like TikTok. You know, I think that there's a lot of things that are staged to get go viral to go viral versus whether it's actually true or not. I get a lot of Christian feeds. And so like in my Christian feeds, 
there's like people that are doing all kinds of feeds on like why this song is bad and why this person's a liar and why you shouldn't listen to this minister. You know, I don't, I don't really follow any of that, but I'm just kind of like, I, th I think maybe their motivation is truth. I just think it's a dangerous thing to judge another Christian on a public platform. I think that, you know, there's your version of the truth. There's my version of the truth. And then there's that real truth. And a lot of times people want to push their version of the truth or their quote unquote narrative, which is another, another big term these days is that you can have an idea of how the story went down and you can see the same situation right. and describe it totally different. Right. But you're looking at the same situation. Right. I mean, if you ask cops, uh, eyewitness accounts, they're all going to have a different eyewitness account. So, you know, me memory is, is sketchy. So this is just kind of just, you know, I know how we see gas gaslighting in our society, but what about gaslighting in our relationships? And that that's where we really want to do our focusing is the gaslighting in our relationship. Because, you know, like anytime that there is abuse, like especially like sexual abuse, there's always going to be that. How do you get the person to stay silent? And so the, they might be say, if you do this, I'm going to kill your mother. If you tell, you know, I'm going to say that you wanted it, you know, you wanted it. So that it gets, there is a particular type of evil that is done in families. And that's intentional gaslighting. And I think that using intentional gaslighting to cover up abuse is a form of mental abuse itself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and because a child has, does not have the ability to process and go, this adult is lying. So therefore I'm not going to trust the adult. The child says, this is an authority figure. What they're saying is true. And therefore I must be bad. I must be wrong. I must be crazy. I just want to say that every single woman that has taken my workshop on uh, healing from sexual abuse has the lie. I'm crazy. Believes the lie. Believes the lie. I'm crazy. And I remember one girl creating art that says, I'm not crazy. And all of us just kind of going like, I'm not crazy either. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. You know, right. especially if you're like stuffing your emotions from abuse, especially like sexual abuse. As women, we feel like a sense of responsibility when we're either assaulted or abused. Right. Anytime you know, it was because of what you were wearing. It was because of what you were, where you were walking. It was because of right. you drinking too much. There's always the, I shouldn't have the gaslighting person always brings that up before you even bring it up to yourself. And you can be gaslit too by whoever you choose to confide in. And I think sometimes in families, they don't want to deal with the fallout of any type of abuse. Right. And so it's almost like being re-victimized is when you do decide to come forward and tell a trusted adult and they don't believe you. Right. And it's, called, it's like the second abuse. And uh, I think that there's a lot of um, complicity where a family member doesn't want to know. And then when, when they are, are seen, you know, are forced to see it, they say that didn't happen. You're lying. You're making that up because they don't want to pay the price of that being true in the family. You know, they don't want to lose Christmas. They don't want to have the financial security of having this, this person that's been helping the family because there's a wooing, a need meeting that, especially in sexual abuse that happens in these families. I'm going to go ahead and give a trigger warning right now um, because we are going to be talking about abuse. So if uh, you are someone who doesn't want to listen to that, you can go ahead and turn us off now.
So you have done some work with intentional and unintentional gaslighting because of your own um, experience with right. abuse. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, when I finally spoke out about this in my 30s, you know, nobody was very receptive. Nobody point blank said, you're lying. But they certainly didn't validate me in the way that I needed to be heard. And you're talking about like family members? Family or, members, yeah. yeah. And like, I remember telling my, uh, my mom and her saying that it didn't happen. Was and, this when you were younger or no, in as my, an adult? Let me tell you, when I was in my 30s, I told my mom, she says that that didn't happen. And it was like, let's say on a Friday. And that Sunday, she went to church and she remembered me coming to her after a visit to my dad's and saying, dad cuddled me and I hated it. Mm -hmm. But she never asked any more questions about yeah. that, never pursued it. Do you think that that raised a red flag with her? Well, I think that when she called me up and said, yes, you told me. And I didn't do anything, at least it validated for me that yes, because it was the exact weekend that I had said it happened. Right. So that validated, yes, I'm not, I'm not crazy. You know, this did happen. Right. So you tried to tell your mom when you were a child and she didn't ask any follow-up questions. Why do you think that she didn't, she wasn't able to face that? I think when I, I have a lot more grace as the years have gone by. And, and one of the things that I realize now is that, um, you know, family dynamics and abuse, you know, things come out sideways. And so that my mom was also being abused by the same man, not her husband. Yeah. Her husband, her she was, she was being abused. She was um, herself a victim of abuse. And so she didn't have a lot of strength. She didn't have power to leave. She didn't have a job. She didn't have an education. And she was going through a divorce herself without having any of these things. So I, I kind of like realized like she was dealing with her own stuff. And, you know, that's kind of unintentional gaslighting is it's being linked to denial. Right. And through your work with other women, have you noticed a pattern that there seems to be someone in their life who has unintentionally gaslit them because they can't deal with the consequences of facing that abuse. Yeah. And I, I, and this is where I don't know, only God knows how much of denial is intentional or unintentional. Right. You know what I mean? Like, is it evil? Like you really do know, but you know, you don't want to face it. Or do you absolutely like not know? I don't know that line, but I do know that there, there is a place where it says, I can't go here. This is too horrific. The repercussions of not protecting my child's too horrific. Or selfishly, I can't live without a man. I, I have all this wounding and I, I'm not I okay. have no job. I, I have no financial resources. I can't leave. That, that belief, I can't leave. Um, and so that they protect the family system, even though it's abusive, more than the, the individual person. I think that a lot of times the parent does know and proceeds to abuse the person a second time. In my personal case... I've had to come to kind of the, de the decision because this denial fantasy land rose colored glasses view is um, a long term effect that's present in my family and with my mom. Yeah. And so that it's more a, of a um, defense mechanism or I, I kind of think of it as a mental coping mechanism now versus like. I don't think it's in like a lack of love or not wanting to be there. And it's I also like a personality trait. I think yeah, yeah. that she has is that she's so positive and she's so loving and she's so like, just chooses to like believe the good in people. Right. 
to the point that almost like evil doesn't exist, you know, <laughs> which is a great, great way to look at life. But with what you had to go through, I'm sure that that was really hard because, you know, she didn't have your back or she didn't, she, but she didn't have her own back either, you know, like, and I, I do think that that people who want to abuse children purposely search for these women who um, are weak in crisis, lack confidence, and um, are just like needing rescue. Yeah. Where you find that vulnerable woman, you're going to find vulnerable children. Right. Right. And you know, any man that wants to hang out with your kids, huge red flag. Right. I mean, we joke about this, but like, who wants to hang out with children? I mean, I mean, I love children. I taught children, but I, I don't want to go to the movies with somebody else's kid on the weekend. I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't want to go with my own children <laughs> yeah. to the movies on the weekend. But there is a book out there that I really recommend that every mother read. It's called Duck, Duck, Groom. And that there is a particular, uh, a predator is searching out. Grooming. Gr- uh, somebody to groom and, and that the grooming process is that they woo the whole family that not yeah. just the kids being groomed, but the moms being groomed too. There was a TV show called a friend of the family that just came out. I think it's on Peacock. It was about a neighbor who groomed the whole family, the parents, and he ended up abducting their daughter. Is this true? This is true. Twice, two times. Th- that's pretty crazy, isn't it? And it, it's, this predator specifically found, you know, vulnerable parents and was able to like woo the woo the parents in a way that, you know, this man was just accepted into their life and had, you know, ill intentions. Right. And I, I do think reading that book is, is very um, helpful. One of the points that she said is like that you have rules. Let's say that you have mixed generations that are playing together. Let's say we have a big, a big party. And we have, you know, 14 year olds to five year olds and they're all p- parents are hanging out and then all the kids are playing like that. We don't go into bedrooms. Yeah. Just having rules that protect kids. And I will just say that a woman who is a single woman who is um, divorced and has children is more vulnerable Yeah, because she needs help. I mean, and that's the whole thing is like we need help, but I, I would be very suspicious of a man who loves children so much, because let, let's face it, a normal man doesn't like my husband. He's a, he's a baseball coach. He's, he, he loves his grandkids, but he's happy when they go home. He doesn't want to go hang out with right. other people's children. Right. And so when, if somebody wants to hang out with your children and I hate to say, but yes, more likely a man, you're, you, it's a huge red flag. And again, that book is called duck, duck groom, understanding how a child becomes a target. And it's by Anna Sonata. Sonata. She's uh, in the Atlanta area. Yeah. So, you know, I guess, I, I guess we, we kind of got really into intentional gaslighting, you know, like the evil part of it, but the unintentional, like, what, what about like the accidental, we gaslight people? Yeah. So, you know, we have unintentional gaslighting. A lot of times I find it like when I'm trying to protect um, someone's innocence. Right. So, you know, mama and dada are fighting. We, get into a fight and then come to you and say, as a child, come to you the next morning, say, oh, mommy and daddy, you guys were fighting. Are you going to get divorced? And then you'd say, no, mommy and daddy weren't fighting. We were just having a discussion. Of course, we're not going to get divorced. And so that just that kind of thing is like, 
the child's going to kind of doubt their sanity. Like it seemed like you were fighting, like you were shouting bad words at each other. Right. Like, and, and, or, and say, yeah, mommy and daddy were fighting and we've got louder than we should. And we're sorry, but we're not getting the divorce. It's normal for people to fight, but we should have done it in a nicer way. And we're going to work on that, you know, to tell your kids the truth, whether mm-hmm. instead of doubting their reality or like, or, or like, let's say that a parent had too much to drink and, you know, maybe they threw up and like, was daddy drunk last night? No, your daddy has a stomach virus. Yeah. You know, and I mean, nobody wants to say, you know, that. And so there is a, there is a protecting them. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to be completely honest with my kids. And, and, um, and I was in the bathroom and my son got one of the Kotex and put it by his head, like for pill. And he's like, what these mommy? And I'm like, a pad. A pad. <laughs> and he's like putting it by his ear. And I'm like, pillows for Barbies. <laughs> and it just came out of my, like, what? You were going to be so honest about like periods <laughs> I, and, and I was going to talk about sex. I'm like, pillows for Barbies. Like, how did that go? <laughs> Pretty genius though. <laughs> so anyway, a little bed, <laughs> a little bed for Barbies. But, but, you know, it's just, you know, we, of course there's age appropriate truths and things that they can understand and maybe just saying, you know, this is a, that's a good question, but you're not really old enough to know the answer yet. Right. So I'll tell you later. Well, uh, what would you do about the whole drunk situation talking about um, like dad threw up last night from drinking too much? Yeah. And I, I think, uh, well, I, I guess we would have to say, you know, um, having too much of anything makes you sick to your stomach. Yeah. Too much food, too much chocolate too many margaritas. (laughs) No, but I mean, but I think that now let's look at this with like an alcoholic though, how this unintended, like wanting to protect a child from an addict and the truth of an addict in the family, how this gaslighting would show up over and over and over again, because you don't want to say, sweetheart, daddy's an alcoholic. Right. And I think at that point when you're enabling it, it's intentional gaslighting. Yeah. You think it shifts. That's probably true. And, you know, realizing that if you're having to gaslight your children or lie to your children about someone's drinking problem, then it is a drinking problem and someone needs to seek help. Right. And, and just also knowing like a lot of times, you know, we do have problems in life that are bigger than ourselves. And, you know, to be able to go to God about it, at least and tell the truth to him, even if we can't say like, you know, I don't even know how to deal with this you know, this is huge in my family. And, and I can't even tell the truth to my family member, but I can tell the truth to you because you already know. And that so might if you're, en- enable us to be brave. So if you're, if you're finding yourself either intentionally or unintentionally gaslighting people and your relationships, what's something that you can do? Being truthful. And taking accountability. Sometimes, you know, if someone's coming to you saying you're doing this and you're telling them, no, that didn't happen maybe taking some time to reflect and say, was there any, any truth to what they were saying? Especially like a counseling session where one person's like, I was beaten. And the other person said, I never touched you. It's like when there's that two different parts of the story, you know, you kind of have to say like, why is there this huge disconnect and what's the truth? And I will say that I think that there'll be evidence. Like for me, even with, if somebody didn't uh, believe when I was a little girl, what happened, I could state, evidences of other kinds of sexual inappropriateness that would make a strong case. Like I'm not crazy, you know, and I remember kind of going to my brothers and going, you know, remember this happened and there was this in the home and there was pornography and there was this and this and this and this. And so certainly the track record that would 
indicate that this person was not safe in a sexual way. You know, I remember my friend saying when I told her what happened, you know, I said, why would you think that? I said, I think I might've been sexually abused. She says, why do you think that? And I said, well, there was pornography in the home. There was inappropriate sexual stories. You know, there was um, nudity. And she says, well, you have been sexually abused. All of that. All of that is sexual abuse. You just don't know if it was touching and just kind of going like, what? So many times, you know, when I, when I work with people in a counseling setting or whatnot, they, they'll say, I haven't been abused, but I was screamed at, or my, my grandfather kissed me inappropriately, or, you know, like, and so that, that we, they kind of tend to be gaslit where they're like, I haven't been abused, but this is okay. And then this next part is okay. And then this part that crosses a boundary even more is okay. Right. So then there's this gray area of where if you've been gaslit where you think well was that abuse or was that not abuse right like even even for like people victims of assault uh well i i did i tell him no did i not tell him no i remember telling him to stop it but then i didn't really fight back you know so if i didn't fight back is it really assault you know right right you kind of get get to where um it's been normalized yeah. Like there's been like this normal, the, like this process of victimization where th- it's okay to, to do this. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do this. And like, you know, there, there's people that only think of sexual abuse if there's, you know, I don't want to get into the details because it, it's too triggering, but, but like they look at particular acts and say, well, it wasn't abuse because this was the act. Right. You know, like I was just groped in a bar. Right. Yeah. Any type of inappropriate touching. Right. Is it appropriate? Right. Period. Point blank. So just taking accountability and reflecting on the truth. Yeah. And I think, I think when there's this disconnect between one person's idea of what happened and the other person is where you really have to kind of go like, what's true for me. And remember, you know, this whole point isn't you, you gaslighted me. It's saying, how can I own my gaslighting of other people? Right. And if, if I, as I'm owning that, if I process that you are also a gaslighter, we're going to get into like, how can you put boundaries with that person? Because they're unsafe. Right. And, and limit contact in a, in a healthy way. So I kind of want to shift the direction of our conversation now. We, you know, we've talked about gaslighting a lot, um, but there are still two more communication patterns that we need to cover. One is, I think, the biggest one for an appeaser, um, someone who wants peace at all costs and will tell you what they need to tell you in order to maintain that peace is stuffing. Right, stuffing. Um, stuffing is where you just put up with it you put up with it, you put up with it, you put up with it, and then you blow, you just blow your top. First time that I really remember blowing it after stuffing was when I had a fist fight with a boy in high school. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that you've ever been in a physical fight before. Yeah. So what happened is I was in high school, I was at uh, the Fresno Fair showing my lamb. (laughs) This is what cool kids did in the FFA, you know, (laughs) Future Farmers of America. And I was talking to a boy from another town. And there was a boy there who had liked me. He had a, a crush on me, but I scorned him. And ever since I scorned him, he kept calling me names in the continual. He, he had like, a, like initials that I knew what these initials meant. And they were mean and very derogatory and very um, shame, shame feeling. So I felt ashamed every time I was around him. Anytime I was around his friends, it was just bullying in high school, whispered under their breath, you know, and I, and I took it for a couple months. And I was at the high school at the FFA and I was talking to another guy and he walked by the guy and said, called me these initials. So you're talking to and gave me these initials. And I got up and I got a hold of him 
And I started shaking him and told him I was just about done with his shit, slapping him, punching him, bringing blood with my nails. And I like came to. It's like you were filled with rage. Like I, I really, out. I really saw red, misty rage. I came to and I had a hold of this taller than me man guy. <laughs> and I'm like, hit me, you, hit me, you know, and I'm fighting and I'm just like, like a Tasmanian devil, <laughs> crazy. And she's laughing because this is not my nature. No, <laughs> but I came to and I saw red. And I was like, like, I just remember like unclasping my hands and backing away. Like, holy shit. What did I just do? What did the other guy think that you were talking to? I'm sure he ran, <laughs> ran for the hills. He never did ask me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I had put up with it for so long that I just snapped. Right. And you know, the ironic thing is I never had another problem after that. He never called you a name never, again. He never called me a name again after that. I, actually, after that, there were some other boys at the school who, who took up and confronted him and said, you, you better never yeah. say another word to her again kind of thing and, right. and um, took up for me. So how do you, if you're someone that stuffs their negative emotions, how do you keep yourself from getting to that blow up point? Well, what I've had to learn how to do is be aware when the blow up's going to happen. So I think everybody, do you know what I talk about when I say bubbly rage? No, I don't have this problem with stuffing. That's not. <laughs> so you don't know what I'm talking about. Like in your classroom when you couldn't go off on kids? Mm, see, I would come home and like vent and it would... Okay. So I, 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 really, I really don't relate to this at all because... <laughs> Whenever I am angry about something, I'm pretty vocal about it, which is probably not good. Maybe I should stuff a little more. Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me because I'm honestly having this thing like, so not everybody has this. Like as we're talking, like, so not everybody knows what I'm talking about. Okay. So this is to the people who stuff. You know what I'm talking about. There's this feeling like a bubbling rage, like I am just going to slap you. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to cuss at you. I'm going to lose it on yeah. you. Okay. And then you push it down. Don't do that here. You know, be calm, be nice. You know, that's not appropriate. And then it bubbles up again. So there's this emotion, there's feeling and squelching it. And I especially would feel it if I was PMSing. Mm -hmm. the, the ability to stuff would be really, really, I mean, to, to push that down was much harder if my, yeah. if I was PMSing. So if you have this bubbly sense of rage that you're going to like blow it and, um, and you do blow it at times, that's the thing is that you're not always good at, at keeping it down. So you keep it down and you blow it, then you end up acting inappropriately. Uh, I use, would use rage manipulation to try to get everybody to, in my act appropriately. Out, to act appropriately. So like, with this guy, I just said, fight me. Let's fight it out. Let's have let's the, tussle. Let's tussle. <laughs> let's get this over with kind of thing, because I'm going to kill you if you keep on doing this to me kind of thing. So I was acting inappropriately to get him to act appropriately. Right. But um, with my kids, it would be more like um, probably screaming out a list of like six, eight, 10 things that they've done 
right? You've been keeping a mental, like mental keeping track a mental, of- a mental track of like, you didn't do this. And I asked you this and you, you know, and so maybe use the words like you guys are pigs, you're slobs. How can you want to, you know, right. What is your tool? The tool that I have is rocking back negative emotions. And I think for, you know, why did God make us with emotions? I think that God created us with emotions so that we can uh, communicate with one another, express joy, know our heart, maybe. Yeah. You know, as indicators too of um, whether what's good and bad too. If like something makes us angry or something makes us sad, something makes us happy, something makes us scared. All of these are indicators of our environment, our environment. And also it's a big part of our relationships, right? Like we have joy in communicating. We, we want to be understood. Like there's this emotional payoff that we get when we successfully connect with other people. So, so I don't think we need to worry about like, I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel excited. Like those are all good. Like just enjoy life. But if you have like, I feel depressed, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel rage. Those are ones that we need to kind of trace back because those emotions are indicators of something bigger that's happening to us. So if you're a stuffer and you feel rage, what is the tool? The tool is to walk back. When did I feel rage? Okay, right now. When you um, it just when my teenager rolled her eyes, rolled her eyes at me. So why did I want to slap her when she rolled her eyes? Well, I traced that back. Well, she was disrespectful the other day. She told me I didn't know what I was talking about the day before. And the day before she slammed the door when I was um, in the middle of telling her something. Oh, So the pattern is that my child's being disrespectful to me. And now I'm to the point where I haven't addressed it. I've just stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it. So now I'm ready to slap her for rolling her eyes. What should I do? And so then I say, I make a plan. Okay, this is when it happened. This is what's going on now. The next time I rub my hands together, she does anything. She's getting a consequence. So the next time she shrugs, goes, huffs, like, you're crazy. I say, give me your keys. Give me your phone. You're grounded. And I give a consequence. So we've talked a lot about like how stuffing rage leads to an outburst of rage. But what if you are stuffing sadness? Like what if you're having a really hard time grieving the loss of somebody that you love because you're so uncomfortable with feeling this sadness? Right. So you just kind of stuff it and stuff it and stuff it. What would be the tool for that kind of stuff? I think one of the things is like you can't fix normal. And so sometimes you just have to feel the appropriate feeling. Like if you broke up with your boyfriend, I have to feel sad. I had a divorce. I was left out of a birthday party. Like you just have to feel, it feels sad. And that's the appropriate feeling. So the next time that you're triggered, you know, give in to that feeling of sadness because that's where the healing comes from. Right. I think people think like, I'm going to feel so sad that I'm never going to be okay, but that's a lie. The truth is, is just go ahead and let yourself feel. And eventually you're going to grieve it and come out the other side. Right. And it's always going to be sad, but the amount of time that it takes to get over that sadness gets less and less and less. The more that you practice your, allow yourself to feel those true feelings. Right. Right. And and a lot of us just want to be happy all the time and avoid those negative emotions. And, and no one wants to feel those, but to be emotionally healthy, you have to kind of feel the appropriate feeling for the situation. Right. Another way that stuffing occurs is like in my relationship, if uh, my husband comes home and like, doesn't greet me with a kiss. Instead, he just goes right into playing with our son. I internalize that as like, oh, well, he doesn't love me because he didn't 
greet me with a kiss. And I kind of like stuff that and I stuff that and I stuff that. And when you believe that lie over and over again, it starts to like manifest itself as truth, even right. though it's a lie. Right. So what would you do in that case? I would, you know, notice the pattern, walk it back, what's happening. And then I would say, you know what, the truth is my husband loves me and he's just happy to see our son. So I'm going to go this ahead. lie that like, oh, if, if he doesn't kiss me immediately that I'm not loved, but I would say what I want and need. You know what? I need you to come here and give me a kiss when you first come home. Yeah. I want that. I need you to cherish me and then we'll go see the baby because I need you. Right. And our marriage is the priority over the child. So when you have this big blow up, if you've been stuffing and stuffing and then you have your rage manipulation where you act inappropriately to get someone to act appropriately, it kind of discredits you too. Um, yeah, I like that word, discredits you. We say like blow up your leg to stand on, but right, it discredits you as you know the peacekeeper. The peacekeeper, the mother, the rational one, the adult, the Christian you know, because now all of a sudden you've, you know, blown, blown your own standard, even like I blew my own standard of accountability, you know, what I think is a good mother. When that happens, there's kind of, there's two consequences. One consequence is that now, instead of your, whoever the family member who's been um, acting inappropriately and being the bad one, now you find yourself apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I yelled. I'm sorry. I screamed. I'm sorry. And there's no like, I'm sorry. I rolled my eyes. I'm sorry. I slammed the door in your face. So the adult ends up owning it. And the person who is the one who's been acting bad gets off scot-free, you know, and now they're going to like, oh, yes, you're apologizing to me. Well, thank you very much. So that's one part of it is it blows up your leg to stand on and like you end up being apologizing. The second part of it is that a lot of times we get condemned. Now you're such a bad mother. You're such a bad Christian. And as someone who is stuffing is going to internalize that. Right, right. Because you want to, you want to do the right thing. You want, you care about relationships. And so that's where you like the Christian part of renewing your mind comes in where you, you start to say you're a bad mother. That's not true. I'm not a bad mother. I lost my temper. I'm a good mother. You know, you're a bad Christian. No, I'm not a bad Christian. I lost my temper. And so where we start to say, you know, the truth is I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The truth is that we all make mistakes and that's why Jesus died so that he can do that. The truth is as I'm forgiven. The truth is God loves that I was honest and owned my stuff even when I blew it to my family. So there is that part of like renewing your mind or saying the truth back to yourself when you get condemned. And so by doing that, then it's kind of like a, you start with a blank slate for the next time. Right. Rather than this pattern of stuffing, stuffing, stuffing blow it, stuffing, 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 blow it. You're able to say, okay, I did blow it. I'm going to forgive myself for that. Right. And now next time that, you know, my daughter's disrespectful to me, I have a plan in place. There will be consequences. We're going to be consistent with consequences. Right. Move we on. can, we can yeah, move on and to have a, that clean slate within, so to speak. Well, this concludes our series on communication. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you learned something about your own communication beliefs and communication patterns. If you have any questions or follow-ups for us, please reach out at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. 
You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. 